welcome to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to another episode of the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. It's great to have you joining us again today. And I want to talk again, and I say again because I've probably done six or seven episodes on the pandemic, but let's face it, it's the single most significant thing that's happened in a long, long, long time, maybe in many people's entire life. So I don't think it's too much to devote episodes to talking about in the earlier days, you know, the positive things to look for, how to get through it, then more recently, the biggest lesson learned. And now I'd like to talk about post-pandemic. You know, now what? Now what do we do as we move past the pandemic? Now, I realize that, you know, that's a relative term past the pandemic because as more and more people are getting vaccinated, there still uh, are people that are fearful. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But, you know, there's certain places where uh, some of the uh, increase in uh, COVID cases has gone up and it's interesting where those places are in terms of some of the uh, guidelines they have. But we're, we're definitely a year, over a year into this. And we are, we are going in the right direction. We turn the corner and we're moving on the home stretch. And I think that now is the time to really begin to talk about this pandemic in the rear view as we move forward and just reflect on some things. And there's really two big things I really want to focus on today. The first is, what do we do with what's happened in the last year? How do we process it? And then secondly, as we move forward, you know, what are, what are the challenges and, and what uh, is really maybe the big hurdle that, that we have to overcome or that some people have to overcome. So that's where we're going to park here today. I think it's going to be very helpful for you. And I sh- certainly hope you'll share this with your friends and others who really need to just kind of reflect on the pandemic and where do we go from here. I think it can be really, really, really helpful. So let's just begin by just looking at what's happened. I mean, it's totally unacceptable by any way in which you want to measure something. It's totally unacceptable for grandparents not to see and hug their grandchildren. It's totally unacceptable for kids and teenagers to not socialize with their friends. It's totally unacceptable for people to lose their jobs and and their businesses that they've worked so hard for. And it's completely and utterly unacceptable that over half a million people lose their lives. I mean, there's no way to put lipstick on the pig. There is simply no way to look at this except to say this is just absolutely the single most unacceptable thing I've ever experienced in my life on this earth. I know there are people that have lived long enough to be around in in the Great Depression, but for many of us that are younger than that, this is the thing that just really, really, really messes with us. And so what do you do with the unacceptable things in life? It's a great question. And I'll share with you in a moment a story in my own life when that happened to me. I came across the serenity prayer, which says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. 
And that really brought a change in my life, a peace into my life, and helped me to accept the unacceptable. I came up through athletics when we were taught you don't accept defeat. So my whole mentality toward acceptance was I, I don't accept anything. I don't, I don't accept anything. I, I refuse to accept defeat. I refuse to accept failure. I, I'm not going to do it. So when I ran into what I ran into, and, and let me just tell you a little bit about that, and then we'll, we'll go back to the pandemic. But, you know, what happened to me is that uh, I just, I, I, many years ago, it's a long time ago, but I just got into a situation where I was being treated very unfairly. And my future, my young, bright future was really in peril. And there was nothing I could do about it. Because I'm the kind of guy, man, I'll, I'll, I'll do something. I'll make something happen. And it just was out of my hands. And I began to be so miserable, more miserable than I'd ever been in my life because the injustice of the situation just really just caused me to continually dwell on it. I just couldn't get past it. And my unhappiness really began to bleed into my family, my wife, my young, young little kids at the time. I mean, it was just, it was bad. There was nothing I could do to make the situation go away. There was nothing that I could even try because I didn't have any control over it. And I was just really, really, really struggling. And my wife's like, you know, I've never seen you like this before. And I'm like, yeah, I've never been like this before. I've never been in this situation before. And in the midst of all that, I came across this little booklet. And in that booklet was some great information, including the serenity prayer. And it was a man who told the story of how his wife had left him and and how taking the children and just how completely devastating it was to him. And yet he had no control over, he couldn't stop it. And there's much more to that story because he was a pastor. So that just complicated everything. Because when you're a pastor, everyone knows you and your family. And it was just awful. And he introduced me to this idea this concept of acceptance. And so I prayed that prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept this thing that I can't change. And I'm telling you, I, I it changed me. I just, all of a sudden, the anger and all the frustration just began to go away. And the more I prayed that prayer, and I prayed it a lot, the more peace that I, I had about the situation and, and here's the thing, I decided, you know, I would accept the unacceptable and uh, the situation didn't change. I changed. Now, eventually it worked out, it, it, it worked out and I put it behind me and um, it's really, it has no impact whatsoever on my life at all. But part of the reason why is because I, I think I handled it better than than I think people thought I was going to handle it because I'm I'm just sort of a fighter and a warrior. I have that kind of warrior spirit. And I'm not a guy who really backs down or takes things. So when I chose to accept, it surprised them and it, it really helped the situation to not get worse. And 
ultimately to be resolved. Now, the serenity prayer is longer than that. And there's another line that says, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. So in other words, Jesus accepted the unacceptable. In, in, in Matthew, in the Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says in chapter 26, verses 37 and 38, Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, this would be his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, essentially, to have the unacceptable, which he knew would be a torturous death on a cross. So he prayed that he could avoid it. And the word there for troubled means literally to be away from home. So Jesus felt the alienation of where his future path was going to take him. And again, it literally would be not that he was sorrowful, but literally it would read like this surrounded by sorrow. He was surrounded by sorrow. Maybe you've been surrounded by sorrow. As he pondered the cross and the fulfillment of God's plan for the salvation of the world, he was troubled and sorrowful, and you may be in that exact situation. So what did Jesus do? Jesus prayed these words. I, I think these words are the words that, that changed history. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus accepted God's plan. He was, he was willing to go to the cross and take the sins of the world upon himself. And he accepted all that that meant. The torture, the suffering, the separation, the alienation, all of it. He accepted that only by dying on the cross could we be forgiven of our sins. And so through Jesus, we can be made right with God. We can enjoy a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We can live a life of purpose and meaning in this life, in this world. And then we can experience everlasting and eternal life in heaven after this life is over. All of that because Jesus chose to accept the unacceptable. Acceptance is asking God to give you the ability to take people and situations as they are, not as you want them to be. I think I'll say that again because it's an important working definition. Acceptance is asking God to give you the ability to take people and situations as they are, not as you want them to be. Now, look at the pandemic. Totally not acceptable, not the way you want them to be. But acceptance is saying, I'm going to accept it as take this situation as it is. You come to a place where you're able to accept what you cannot change because that's basically what we have to be able to do. The past year plus has just been something that has been terrible, terrible, absolutely terrible what it's done to people's mental health, what it's done to people's finances, what it has done to relationships. I mean, it has just been devastating. Now, again, not all bad. And you can go back and listen to some of my episodes where I talk about the good things and things that can never be canceled, stuff that you really 
ought to listen to. But still, it has just been in so many ways just unbelievable, just absolutely unbelievable. And entire fields have just been like the field I'm in of speaking, no live events, you can't travel and speak. I mean, it's just been absolutely incredible. But guess what? There are many things in life we can't change. Can't change the weather. You can have all the plans, you know, you want to go on vacation, you're going to have a wedding, whatever. Hey, you cannot change the weather. And if the weather is bad, the weather's bad, even if it messes up everything you planned. You can't change the past. There's nothing you can do about what's happened in the past. Can't change it. Can't change the loss of a loved one. Nothing you can do about it. And you can't change the damage from this pandemic. Just can't be done. So we just have to accept it. Now, there are things we can change, by the way. We can. We can. We can change our attitude. <laughs> and that's part of what this is about, changing your attitude about the pandemic. We can change bad habits. Yeah, anytime you want. You can stop smoking. You can, you can change, stop overeating, stop overspending. You can, you can do that. You can change habits that you can control. You can change your job. You're not happy with your job. It's not fulfilling. Maybe this whole pandemic has kind of revealed that to you. You want to do something different with your life. Guess what? You can, you can, and we can change how we react to other people. We get to decide that. So there are things that we can change for the better. And we certainly need the courage to change what we can and the wisdom to know what can be changed and what cannot be changed. Absolutely for sure. In any unacceptable situation, it's very similar to like the stages of grief. There, of grief. There's denial, anger, bargaining, and even depression. And some of you are right there, you know, that's where you are, you know, you're, you're depressed, you're angry. The source of true peace is to accept what you cannot change. Acceptance is the final step of grief. Acceptance ends the pain and heals the hurt. Yes, it does. Acceptance helps us to stop fighting what we can't win and brings us to a place where the inevitable is acceptable. What we accept, we not only live with, we ultimately overcome. That's what happened with me. I ultimately overcame that situation and it never had any adverse impact on my life long term not even midterm, just short term. And that was it. And that's what can happen with this pandemic. It could just be short term if we handle it the right way. Acceptance leads us to peace and ultimately to victory. You can't win in the sense that you can't win on what's happened with this virus. Now, we're going to win the the vaccine is going to defeat this virus. We're going to defeat it. But the damage it's done, that can't be changed. So we have to accept it. 
And when we do accept it, we move into a place of peace. We move into the place where we need to be. So that's what can we do about what's happened. Now, the second part of this is what can we do about what comes next? And this is obviously super, super important. There is a psychiatrist named Arthur Bregman. He's in Florida, and he has coined a term, cave syndrome. Cave syndrome. Here's here's what it means. People who are feeling scared or are are unwilling to re-enter post-pandemic society, even after being vaccinated, because they've grown too accustomed to isolation. Sounds crazy, but I think as I kind of break this down for you today, you're going to see how many people that this can, in fact, impact, and and you may be one of them. How did we get here? Well, some of it's the result of not knowing for sure what, what is safe and what isn't, and again, that's all in people's minds. I already talked in previous episode about the lesson learned from the pandemic that I just never, ever worried about that. It never concerned me. And so I didn't change my life at all. I kept flying on planes. I went to nine different states. I kept working out. I went to restaurants. It never, I never changed my life because I was not a person who was concerned. But for those who are, you know, is it safe? But also it's about returning to the social status quo after more than a year of, you know, limited, let's say limited, extremely limited interactions. It's really fascinating to even think about that people, that there are people who are reluctant to go back into normal functioning society. And there are some people that are ambivalent about it. Just just think about this. This is just fascinating to really just consider that some people actually were relieved by the pandemic because it was a respite from life, from typical life, from the competitiveness of their uh, job or office situation. It gave them the ability to put off decisions about the future. Yeah, it's not healthy, but it did did give you the chance to do that. Some now really dread resuming their commute, getting dressed for work again. I mean, this stuff is it sounds hilarious, but you know, people are like, now I gotta start getting dressed again, looking nice, putting on makeup, doing my hair, taking a shower. Yeah. It's real. Jenny uh, Tates, who's a professor at UCLA, clinical psychologist, she has another take on it. I think this is fascinating. Some people feel ashamed of how they spent their year. Instead of learning uh, French or playing a new instrument, they just moped around and drank too much. They're embarrassed because they gained weight and now they don't want to face their coworkers. I mean, it's almost comical, almost hilarious to think about 
But, you know, you may say it isn't very comical to me, Rick, because that's exactly my situation. I don't want to go back and tell people I did nothing productive whatsoever for a whole year. I don't want them to see me and say, wow, those are new clothes, new clothes, not because uh, I needed to get new clothes. I didn't wear them for a year, but because I had to buy new clothes because I can't fit into the ones that I used to wear. It's, 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 it's something really to consider, to really just ponder you know, just ask yourself, wow, is this a reality? You know, is cave syndrome something in my life or someone I know or love? You know, putting off decisions. Now you got to make the decisions again, you know, getting dressed, going to work, doing these things that we've done for years. No, I know, uh, believe me, I know the studies, the reports that, you know, more and more people are saying they'd like to continue to work from home and that that may be a, a real possibility in certain employers. And, you know, that's something that, you know, we'll see how that goes. And But we know that majority of people are still going to go to work. And of course, there's many people that have to go to work. That's a, another part of this that sometimes gets left behind. All the people that can't work from home, that that was never even an option for them. So cave syndrome and in other words, re-entry, you know, the danger in getting overly attached to the way things have become is that interferes with returning to normalcy. <laughs> it's It sounds wild to, to consider. It was, I can't wait. I can't wait. And certainly there are people like that. And that might be you. Maybe you, you're on the end of, I've just had trouble accepting what's happened. But others, you may say, well, I've had no problem with the accepting what's happened. My problem is the re-entry. The re-entry. I mean, let's just face it. It is abnormal to maintain six feet distance from another human being. It is unnatural to avoid touching. It's unheard of for, for kids, for students to not have daily in-person interaction with their peers. It's absolutely a rite of life and passage. And it's just really weird to think about dating over Zoom and other things that have taken place on Zoom. It's just odd. It's odd. And it's not normal. And we need to return to the way that life is. Census Bureau reports that one-third of Americans report symptoms of anxiety or depression about what's taking place in the pandemic. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that feeds into this cave syndrome for sure. Coming out of isolation, you know, it's like a transition. And I, I've, I've spoken on this before. Transitions can be hard. You know, even when they're what we want. And I just, again, you can go back and listen to the episode, but where I talk about change and transitions, but just uh, to re sort of refresh those who've heard it before and to introduce it to, to folks, change is primarily external. Transition is primarily internal, which is why transition is always more emotional than change. That's the, that's the bottom line. In February, the American Psychological Association did a survey 
49% of adults said they felt uneasy about adjusting to in-person interactions when the pandemic ends. 49%, let's just round up one. Half of America is uncomfortable, uncomfortable, uneasy about in-person interactions. Wow. In that same survey, some 46% said they don't feel comfortable going back to living life like they used to before the pandemic. Now, I, I don't, I don't even know what that means. I have, I mean, I could give you some of my guesses or thoughts about what that means in terms of living like the same. In other words, some of the changes may be very positive. So it's, it's not necessarily negative to say people don't want to, to go back to the way things were, but at the same time, there are things that need to go back to the way they were because that's the way human beings interact with one another. So it is, it is remarkable to just consider what we can't do is postpone reentry out of fear. We just can't do it. And anxiety feeds on avoidance. So the more you avoid, the more anxious you become. These, these are not the answers. These are not the answers. The, the answers are to look at life from a proper perspective. So in one sense, life is a test. I, I've said that before. Life is a test. It will challenge us. And certainly this past year is a classic example. We will experience hardship in life. We will experience heartache. We'll experience unfairness. That is all part of life. Life is a, is a test. But life is also an adventure. Another day, another adventure. It's a great motto to live by. Life is filled with fulfilling and exciting experiences. We have to believe that there is a greater, bigger, and better tomorrow because there is. There is. We must choose a fully engaged life, not a cave syndrome. We must embrace life. Learn to Savor the moments, the wonders, the meaning. Look toward the future with excitement, hope. Put this pandemic behind us. Accept it for what it was. And boldly move forward. Here's, here's, here's the phrase, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. There are some great, great, great experiences in all of our futures. There are things that we missed out on for over a year. The Bible talks about getting a return of tenfold and thirtyfold and one hundredfold. The Bible talks about restoring what's been taken away. And that really should be our mentality. 
that we're moving into a season of restoration where we are being restored and we are going to experience things that are going to be marvelous. That we've been through a lot of pain and suffering, a lot of heartache and disappointment. But the best is yet to come. The future is certainly going to be better than this most recent past. And only in time will we see how even something as difficult as this opens the door for us for new experiences that we maybe have never had. For a new perspective on life that, frankly, we would not have gained without going through this pandemic. There's much that we can take with us as we move forward that will make our lives better, better. So accept what's happened. Refuse to give in to any kind of thinking about I'm going to resist re-entry, but re-enter. See what life has for you. Don't let fear and anxiety have any more of an impact on your life than it already has. Let's move forward. Let's have some marvelous new experiences. And let's believe that the best is yet to come. Thanks for joining us today. I look forward to having you back again next week for another episode of the Point of Impact podcast. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.